Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hey, I'm Kim Holderness. And I'm Ben Holderness. We host the Holderness Family Podcast every Tuesday. You may know us from the silly videos that we make online. Or a book about marriage called Everybody Fights. Or as winners of season 33 of The Amazing Race. Still can't believe that happened. Listen, we do a lot of stuff, but our podcast is our most favorite thing. Yeah, because every week we get to sit down face-to-face, talk to each other about marriage, family, mental health, or just anything that we want to know more about. Sometimes we have expert interviews, sometimes it's just us, but our goal is to bring some joy and laughter into your life every week. Our other goal is that maybe you will learn something as well. Right. So search the Holderness Family Podcast and check out our most recent episodes. We have one about staying organized with creators of the Home Edit. And one about being diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. We hope you'll join us. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. Hi, it's Dave here. Uh, this isn't a regular episode. Firstly, because, well, Kathy's not on it. Uh, secondly, we're not walking anywhere. Um, and thirdly, it's a it's a live stream. So it's the first ever time we've uh, live streamed a chat and we did it uh, exclusively for our patrons at the Cinemile High Club. Um, so the, the audio quality might be a little different on this episode. And also, uh, naturally, I'll be referring to uh the the live chat that's happening and you're also going to hear from uh, some of our lovely listeners who joined me on the virtual stage um so if uh, we, we was we were quite happy with how it went so we'll probably do more of these in future if you'd like to join us for any future ones um or watch the video for this episode uh then you can head over to patreon.com forward slash the cinemile and join for two or three pounds a month and you get loads of extra tv stuff just like this so I'll shut up now and I will continue talking, but from the past. Oh, oh, and naturally, full spoilers for all of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So hi, uh, hi everyone. I'm, this, I'm Dave. This is uh, not my wife, Kathy. She is not here. She didn't watch Obi-Wan um doesn't care about star wars actively um i thought i didn't care about star wars anymore either but uh god damn it like al pacino and godfather 3 they they just keep reeling me back in um i actually feel a bit a, a bit like um i've got stockholm syndrome now because i kind of fell in love with this show a bit um but i don't know if it's just it's, it's still it's like i've fallen in love with my tormentor um I'll give you I'll give you my overall thoughts on this show. So the things I liked about it. Firstly before it even started um I I well more in retrospect I appreciated the show's marketing. Uh I don't often say shows show TV shows and movies marketing don't often get uh a lot of credit. But I'll give the Disney marketing team credit for um well, pre- creating firstly a pretty good trailer. I mean, you stick Jewel of the Fates on it, and it's going to be good anyway. But I think they what they sold us. My my ideal type of trailer is uh, one that shows you very little, but gives you a sort of a mood and an atmosphere. And what I liked is I was surprised in episode one of this uh, when it kind of revealed itself to to be the kind of show it's going to be. Right? It's about. Uh, it's, it was about Leia, which that was the surprise to me. She's not mentioned in the trailer anywhere. Um, it kind of gives the impression it's all kind of set on Tatooine and Luke. And to me, that would have been quite boring. Um, I found the um, the other thing I really was impressed with the show by is is it's um, the atmosphere. I, f- I think it felt like really oppressive. I think it's the first uh, the first time in a while with a Star Wars property where I felt like the Empire were like a credible threat i felt like um they were incredibly oppressive i felt like being a a a jedi in this moment in this galaxy was um 
was was a ridiculously dangerous and scary thing to be and i felt like that they for the most part the show kept up that feeling of being hunted and, and being on the run really well and i think that's really interesting to do when you've got a huge galaxy with nowhere to hide um i loved naturally i thought you you and mcgregor um is fantastic i think we all would agree i think he's one of the best probably the best uh actor in the prequels not that he, he was the he, he that's not fair he delivered the best performance i think um there are some fine actors in the prequels who who for whatever reason didn't deliver but i think he 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 does a really good job here with some some of the more interesting sort of character material that we've had in star wars in a long long time um i loved the little insights we got into obi-wan's character you know a mother he doesn't quite remember and a and um a brother he half remembers i thought that was really interesting and it kind of a bit twisted right that 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 the um the jedi kind of take kids away uh from their parents so young i mean i, I know we saw qui-gon do it with little annie um but that felt more like a rescue right that felt like an opportunity for a better life i mean it, it felt like obi-wan really lost something there um the other thing i liked about the show was the the fact that it's kind of a buddy a buddy road movie uh, i thought obi-wan and leia were uh quite good together the, the little actress who played her was fantastic vivian uh lyra blair as a now i've never seen her in anything before i thought she was great i really liked obi-wan's sort of uh character arc his journey i mean how do you give obi-wan a character arc um from where we left him in episode three to episode four when i mean this is the question i was asking myself i think we were all asking ourselves like what was he doing? He was just in a desert for all those years, just waiting for something to happen, right? And I think where we, I think they found a, a really interesting and effective um, uh, way to to convey a journey for him because where we find him at the beginning, I thought was really interesting. You know, that, like just going through the the going through the the humdrum of of like a awful life, whatever he was doing in that factory at the beginning, chopping up meat and creepily staring at a child through through binoculars um uh, duggan's just chiming in here feel free to, to chime in in the comics guys as well um so mike duggan hello mike duggan as i know you will um agrees that uh yeah he says uh they the writers did a great job on bringing him from guilt to rediscovering his strength yeah and i think that you know that we also find him he's kind of lost connection with the force at the beginning and he literally by the end you know he's he's picking up giant rocks and stuff. That's the the sort of mental and physical journey he's gone through. But really it's about guilt, isn't it? He's, um, I think he feels naturally quite guilty for, for having the higher ground and, and for what's hap- what happened to, um, uh, to Anakin. And I found episode six incredibly effective um, at that, you know, that, that re- it really got me when he said, I'm, I'm sorry. And he was um, staring into, I thought there was a really effective imagery that, that Vader's helmet being um, sort of sliced off like that. H- Hayden Christensen finally, his finally his face appeared. And um, I, it, it got me. I did start, I did start crying at that. I felt like, a, I, th- I, I don't know what it was. I think it, it just him saying, sorry. I think you Ob- McGregor really sold it. And, what and uh anakin appearing for a moment you know that little flash you know he says i'm not your failure obi-wan you know i'm the one who 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 killed um anakin and I, there was a lovely touch where they had just for a moment he he was uh illuminated by the blue lightsaber instead of instead of the red one which i, I really appreciated and that was kind of him um that was Obi-Wan kind of forgiving himself to a degree and kind of letting Anakin go, which, and it was a little heavy handed when he kind of called him Darth on, on the way out, but that's, that's what it was representative of, wasn't it? He was letting, he, he was letting Anakin go and he was um, kind of saying goodbye to his friend and finally accepting that, that he was gone, even though he just learned he was, wasn't dead at the beginning of the series. Um, but it actually, it always kind of bothered me that he called him Darth. I know that he does that in um, 
a new hope as well. But Darth, Darth is a title, right? Darth, like Darth Maul, Darth Sidious, and he's well aware of that. So he should call him Vader, right? It's like it's the equivalent of like saying, uh, calling him Mister or Doctor. I'll see you later, Mister. Um, and then I really, I, I thought Eps 5 and 6, which I only found out afterwards, were, were co-written by Andrew Stanton from uh, Pixar fame. Uh, I thought they were they were kind of really standout in terms of the uh, the writing and um, and had some really cool moments. I thought the, the fight was actually really, really effective. And I thought the, um, the whole epilogue with him and Leia really got to me and him telling her, about her parents uh I, I was just a real sucker for that i mean it's classic kind of emotional manipulation but i feel like it was particularly effective because we all saw those movies like what 20 years ago and however derided they they kind of have have been i think we're all th- there there's a sort of a nostalgia and an emotional sentiment to some degree or a familiarity with that story that that sort of I don't know, whatever. It worked on me in the moment. Um, I'll quickly say a few things that I, I had problems with with this show, and then then, then I'll uh, uh, somebody else can come up and talk. So uh, shout shout in the comments if uh, if you want to come up on stage next, and I'll and I'll, I'll pick someone out. Um, things I had problems with were the I thought the show was a bit long, and I know it was only a mini series, and it was uh, six episodes. Um, Joby One, you have just you you. If you're happy, you can come up and uh, uh, explain your video game side quest uh, theory in a in a moment. Uh, please please confirm that you consent to coming up on stage. Um, the the show was too long. I thought the uh, it just felt like there was a lot of uh, padding. Right, we had two rescues. Did we need two rescues? We had an episode two rescue of Leia, and then. Uh, she was kidnapped again. Oh, oh by the way, she's kidnapped by Flea. That was great initially. And then she gets kidnapped again. And I'm like, oh, okay. And Ep4, the sort of rescue from that admittedly kind of cool, like, uh, water planet tower thing. Which is basically like an aquarium. Like, they had, an aqua- they had a Sith Empire aquarium. Uh, a SeaWorld. The Star Wars SeaWorld. Um there were some cool moments in that, but like I, I, they, they, they were deliberately like doing the doing loads of echo. Uh, sorry, um, episode four tributes. You know, like Obi Wan doing the the force distraction thing on two stormtroopers, the interrogation droid, Doctor Doctor Ball, for any fans of Robot Chicken, um, and. Um, you know, Leia being interrogated uh, and then placing a tracker on the way out. Like, it's just all a bit. And I know everyone always comes back to that George Lucas uh, poetry thing. But I felt like, you know, we had The Force Awakens and you just did all that. It's like, stop, stop it now. Um, and uh, I thought that uh, Moses Ingram was excellent as Reva. And I really liked her whole journey. I thought she was brilliant. But the Grand Inquisitor, poor Rupert Friend really got done dirty by the show. And because they, they geared him up to be kind of an important villain. And I think that, and this is where I will, uh, um, I won't give the marketing department any credit because the, you know, they they had that moment. And I think they did, they, they built, it, it was for a twist, right? So they, they built him up to be a huge character. And I think, I'm not familiar with any of the, cartoons and that but i think he is a, a, a an existing character who i i have no like um um affinity or understanding of but he's like a big deal right and then they have that moment where she takes him she takes him down which i think was the kickstarter for a lot of the the sort of unfortunate racist aggression that she experienced online which is obviously unacceptable in any in any situation let alone it's tv show but the um i just thought that was just a bit a bit unnecessary a bit pointless but i was fine with that what i'm not fine with is then the next rug pull in episode five they were like where they're like aha (laughs) yeah i'm still here because 
uh, it's like, what's the, what's the point? Death. We know kind of death means nothing in the Marvel and Star Wars universes, but come on, like that was just so hollow. And also, like if she, if Vader knew that she was the youngling the whole time, why why was he keeping her around? I don't know. So he could just do this rug pull at the end. I mean, come on. Um, couple of other <laughs> final issues I had, and then I'll shut up. I thought that I thought that it was a mistake having Obi Wan and Vader or Darth, as he likes to call him, fight in episode three. Now, I know why they did it, because they want to show, uh, you know, as, as uh, Mike Duggan correctly said in the comments, that, you know, his force strength was was weak and that he, you know, he was out of touch and it had been 10 years and, and all that. And we want to see, you know, a bit like Rocky, you want him to, um, you know, he has to lose in the, in the middle and then come back at, at the end triumphantly. And I, I get that. But I think bringing Vader in kind of so early took away some of the the sort of mystique of it. It also, I didn't think it was a particularly well done or interesting fight. And it just felt like a bit, I don't know. And I I think it really undercut the uh, Moses Ingram as as the sort of primary, uh, or Reva, sorry, as the primary villain. Because as soon as Vader comes up, it's just like, oh, well, who cares about her? Um. And I thought the, the other thing that disappointed me about the show was it was kind of like wasn't very interesting looking. It was all very brown. Everything was just uh, brown or gray and, and sludgy. And I know that kind of maybe fits in with the atmosphere of oppressiveness and and uh, and I know it's all a bit rusty. But besides that city we saw kind of in the second second episode, it was all a bit dull. And then the, the last thing that kind of annoyed me was I thought uh Kumail Nanjiani who I love and I'm a big fan of um as an actor and a comedian and as a person I felt like he shouldn't have been in this I felt like he's too much of a name um and he's at kind of at risk of being overexposed I think I much preferred seeing a lot of actors who I wasn't that familiar with um because I think you can kind of invest in them as characters a bit more. And also, I don't know, it just the whole thing didn't really work for me, pretending to be a, a Jedi kind of con man, but he's kind of good. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know. What I'll do now is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite a, a Joe B1 up on stage here. So as he's coming on, you're being, just being sent an invite now, Joe, so you can tell us your theories. But, but, but while he's getting set up, I'm going to read some comments. Um so Mike Duggan says an absolute tiny problem, which I've definitely focused on way too much in my own head, is the term force sensitive, a term never used in any films or series before this. It just felt very 2022. Um, I think, the, Duggan, you need to go on some force sensitivity training. Um, I think I'm going to get onto HR after this. Uh, Tim says, I agree that it was too long. The last episode was basically only two scenes. Uh, yeah, correct. I think I think I would have been happy if we just had episode one of this show, not the Phantom Menace. Episode one, episode like four, five, and six. I would have been happy. Four. It was it was a three or four episode season, really. Stephen says, uh, "Weird that it's now turned out that a lightsaber through the gut is just a flesh wound." Qui Gon Jinn must be miffed. Yes, absolutely. And we forgot to talk about uh, Qui Gon Jinn showing up at the end. So presumably he is a bit miffed and they're going to have a great conversation with that on the way into the, uh, the, the Canyon. Uh, Cloda says that she uh, also thinks the fights were a bit, all a bit lackluster. I kind of agree with that. I think it look, it's for whatever reason, nothing's really been able to top uh, the Phantom Menace and Jewel of the Fates moment. Has it? I mean, whatever it was, I mean, maybe Darth Maul is the secret sauce or, or Ray Park and his choreography. Uh, Stephen also says he agrees uh, Ari Vader coming in too early and undermining Reva. Phil says in a way it would have been more interesting if Reva had got the better of him at that point and would still show he was off the pace. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I think that would have been way way better if uh, Obi-Wan had fought Reva in episode three. Um, way more interesting. And hold Vader back to the end. Uh, <laughs> Joe, are you... Are you with us? Have you been able to accept? Uh, yeah, it's accepted and connecting. I'm going to invite someone else up as well. Who wants? Uh, who, who else wants to come up on stage? Oh, there he is. It's Joby One himself. Oh my god! 
Wow. So, um, so for 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 all the fans of of Shitegeist who might remember uh, another podcast uh, that I was on a while back, uh, this is my co-host from Shitegeist, Joe Kiley. Welcome to the stage, or Joe B One, as uh, he is. May he is. To it yes, thank <laughs> you, Dave. It's not going to work on a podcast, but um, Joe is currently dressed uh, in a Jedi robe. But what is it? Is it a uh, what? It, explain to the listeners what what it is actually. I, it's not. I'll tell what you what. Wear? It's definitely not. It's definitely not an inside-out hoodie that I've draped over my shoulders <laughs> backwards. <laughs> That's actually pretty effective cosplay, I'd say. Well, from from about the chest up, yeah. You would. You. Would, I, I. I dare and stand up. Yeah, you're but, naked um, from the waist down. Yeah, as yeah. I mean, as I always am. But as, um, as all Jedi's are under their robes. <laughs> I believe it's, it's worth mentioning the the background as well. I, I'm I'm uh, enjoying my uh, I'm ensconced in Tatooine at the moment. I'm not sure if you can see both suns, but they're there. Um, they're setting at the moment. So I think I need um, to expand my screen. Is that uh, is that Owen and Lars's house? Where else? I'm keeping an eye. I'm keeping an eye on the the youngling as we speak. Classic moisture farm. I love that Joe, Joe has gone to way more effort for this uh, for this thing that I have. Um, Joe, tell us tell us about your uh, your video game fetch quest theory that you hit hit us before up, we before we go on to that. I think you mentioned yeah. that nothing has been able to touch the Jewel of the Fates, and like I didn't put myself through the Phantom Menace recently, but I did watch the Jewel of the Fates in isolation, and uh, I think the um, the kind of the lightsaber battle in the Last Jedi actually beats the Jewel of the Fates. I think it's controversial, but I think oh. choreography-wise and you know stakes and tension, like it just there's something about the Jewel of the Fates that hasn't aged very well. I'd suggest going back to see it if you haven't watched it recently. But do you know what? If you love it, don't go back because <laughs> it might only destroy your memory of it. I think I will leave it preserved, intact, two, two. in a in a ship in a bottle in my memory. Um, what are you? I presume you're referring to the uh, the awesome one in the Last Jedi in the throne room with the red Imperial guards. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. The, the red That's Imperial great... guards who attack for no reason once their um, their boss is defeated and <laughs> yeah, out. instead of just like you know, yeah, just, oh, yeah, gonna... just surrendering <laughs> or putting their hands down or whatever. Who's going to pay my checks now? That's what I'm <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it, the, the whole series, like I wasn't, for anyone who's listening, if anyone's listening, um, this, oh, they're listening. Oh, they're listening. Intently. Um, Star Wars has gone out of its way in recent years to send the message, this isn't for you anymore, old man, which The Last Jedi is basically that. Put away your, your sacred texts. Old man, this is beyond you. This is for the kids now. And everything I say is with that proviso <laughs> that I accept that. <laughs> You're the old man. I'm the old man. Uh, yeah, we've become old men at this point. Um, and like, I was kind of when when this was announced, I was jazzed for it. I was like, okay, you know, we do want to see. First of all, we want to see Obi Wan Kenobi, but more importantly, we want to see you and McGregor reprise the role. And I think everybody was here for that, and we we got what we wanted. Um, but I'm not sure the stakes were necessarily high enough because we there are existing characters we know where they've been and where they're going and more importantly that they'll be alive beyond a certain point <laughs> so <laughs> so it, it sort of undercuts the drama uh when you see a little 10 year old girl or, or nine when it was recorded outrunning bounty hunters repeatedly outrunning like a bounty hunting sith you know inquisitor no problem uh, yeah. because she has plot armor so nothing she does can you know can can impact her what they could have done was maybe put in some uh well i suppose maybe this isn't appropriate for a disney show but they could have put in some side characters like friends of hers who were who would be put in genuine peril or who would face danger in order to make us feel it more yeah because because one thing this series needed is more child murder <laughs> because <laughs> because we didn't get enough of it at the top you know? Exactly, exactly. And and it did it did feel a bit like the ongoing side quest of Ben Kenobi, uh, go and rescue this girl and go travel to different planets and have some adventures. Um, I don't know, like they, they went to great lengths to try and flesh out the character and the motivation and they did some, gr- some good stuff with the Anakin and, uh, and Obi-Wan stuff, albeit mostly in flashback. 
but they did pay off some of that relationship. Aside from that, it is basically just a side quest. We're back where we were when all this started. Yeah. And for some reason, Vader has given up the chase. I I completely agree with that. I think it is... I think by its nature, the show was always going to be a side quest, right? It, and, and to be fair, it kind of needs to be in a way. It's a TV show, right? It didn't get... It's not episode... 3.5 right it's very it, well it kind of is but it, it, it is um by its very nature a sort of a diversion for obi-wan a relatively important one but i agree with you joe the stakes are always going to be a bit lower um i think um i think we'll invite someone else up on stage uh if you want to join us up you can stay there joe though well just just to, before we go what, I'm, what I'm, i wanted oh, sorry, to say was um yeah. we we've already had the uh we've already had rogue one which was the explanation for how the plans got on the um, the the rebel ship. So we've had the, that backstory. This has has been six hours of backstory for help me Obi Wan, your only hope. And so I'm looking forward to the next Disney series, which is going to explain why one of the Imperial um, officers searched a, a, a pod for life forms but forgot about droids, even though droids are everywhere in this universe. <laughs> yeah, and also the probably the most effective way to transfer data. Right? <laughs> yes, pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> the thing that was being transferred. But I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating that's at least 12 to 14 hours of backstory for that character, based on yeah, the I current mean, trajectory. I'd watch that. <laughs> you would, um, that's the problem. <laughs> hands up, uh, anybody else who wants to join me and Joe up on stage and give us uh, your general thoughts uh, uh, about uh, Obi-Wan. What I'll do is I'll read a couple of comments uh, while we're waiting. Um, so Stephen agrees with you, Joe, says there was zero tension uh, when Reva attacked the Lars homestead. Uh, they weren't so good at defending against stormtroopers a few years later. Um, Much older, <laughs> to be fair. Very true. I, what do you think? What did you think, Joe, about watching um, uh, Ben? I, I see your hand, so we'll invite Ben up uh, now. Your invite is coming, Ben. Um, what did you think, Joe, of uh, Owen watching Owen and uh, Baru get to kick ass against the Sith? I mean, it was it was an interesting. It was you know, having them do something for once rather than just serve blue milk. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, yeah it's. It, you needed something. You needed a button on the end of the series and you, you needed the turnaround for, for Reva. But, I mean, did it need to happen? I, I think it, the series would have had enough by itself if we hadn't gone for that. Yeah, I felt like it was a bit of a hat on a hat, the whole um, <laughs> Reva goes to Tatooine to try and kill Luke. I mean, it kind of made... I see why it made sense for her to resolve her character journey, you know, she and I thought it was quite an effective twist actually that she was a youngling and that was she was hunting Darth Vader. I thought that was good, I didn't see that coming. And then, but and then they kind of write, How do we resolve that? So we'll put her in a position where she's about to murder a child. So I kind of see why that's a good idea, but it felt very rushed to go from episode end of episode five, she's lying, uh, like you know, she's lost to, to Vader and the Grand Inquisitor's back and she's at her lowest moment, but they don't kill her. They just go off to get Obi-Wan. It's like, bye. And then for somehow she got to Tatooine. That really bothered me as well. How did she get there in the same, what seemed like in a shorter time frame than, you know, they're still chasing Obi-Wan. Can I just say the 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 Organa spycraft is terrible. <laughs> like he sent an unencrypted message yes. with all of the details, the secret <laughs> details that they're keeping for their whole life. All he had to do was say, um, you know, Anything I'll else. meet you. I'll meet you at the place where we know where we talked earlier, or anything, literally anything. Just be like, meet you at the planet. There are a hundred ways to communicate that better. You're so right. There's a good uh, point in the chat there. What's that? Um, Tim asks, why did she want to kill Luke? I missed the reason. It's a good question, Tim. I think we all <laughs> missed the reason. I think I think it was because... Does she know that Luke is uh, his Anakin's son? Is that why? That's kind of what I was assuming. It's not made clear, I, is it? No. Oh, welcome to the stage, Ben. Ben is Hello. here. How are you, Hello, Ben? Everyone. Hello, Dave. I'm good, thank you. Uh, tell us your why do you yeah why do you think um, Reva was killing or trying to kill Luke? 
it's inferred that she's worked out that he must be Vader's son and she wants to enact revenge however she can, I guess. And that's a way to make him suffer like she suffered. But it's never said explicitly. No, I'm guessing my theory is that um, Jimmy Smith has an even longer uh, message that, that that she witnessed. Like there's an addendum <laughs> to his message where he's like, just a reminder that the, the Luke I'm talking about is Anakin's son on Tatooine. Here's the address in case you forgot. Um, ben, tell us, uh, tell us what your thoughts were on Obi-Wan as a whole. Were you happy, disappointed, met your expectations? Yeah, pretty happy. I mean, my expectations on Star Wars... Uh, on TV were lowered a bit by um, the book of Boba Fett, to be honest, after quite enjoying the Mandalorian. Uh, so I didn't go in super high expectations. And, uh, and again, uh, as you guys said earlier, like they had a pretty difficult challenge in that you have to make, you know where everything's going to end up, right? So it's like, well, how are they going to, A, how are they going to do it? And are they going to be able to have tension and interesting stories? And I actually think they did a really good job. It's a hard job, um, you know, to, to take that on, knowing that you have to you have to end in certain places. It must really restrict your freedom as a writer, I'd imagine, for the guys that did it. But um, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought as a whole, it was it was good. Probably should have been four episodes rather than six. And there was a bit of padding. And Dave, you already mentioned, you know, some of the stuff that seems to be repeated and wasn't needed. Um, I think the Vader thing was difficult as well because, as you said, maybe they should have left into the end, but then people are really wanting to see him. So if you don't introduce him by yeah. episode three, I think a lot of people would have been disappointed. Um, and I actually, I quite liked that that fight in the weird, whatever it was. What was it like a mining area or something? Was it? Yeah, dragged him across the coals? It was cool, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, was, I did like, the bit I liked in that um, was when he was dragging uh, Obi-Wan literally through like hot fire. Yeah. Hot coals, which felt like kind of uh, like payback for him in a way. And was also, I found like, surprisingly gruesome mm. for a for a star wars show oh, it's, it's one the of the darkest it's of... been especially on disney yeah right mm. i mean they kind of market themselves as a family friendly platform but it was kind it was kind of it was, it, it was skirting a funny line um this show between it kind of did dip its toe into some really dark stuff a few times well i mean just before that you had vader walk you know striding through that village and then he just didn't he just like snap girl in little dad's neck or something yeah. to try and oh, get, shit, yeah. get, get uh, Obi-Wan out. Do you remember when he was watching? He was trying I forgot to about that. Out, wasn't he? Yeah, that's pretty dark. And so that introduces Vader as like terrifying. He's like the scariest he's ever been, to be honest. So, okay, you've you've recontextualized Ep3 in my head and I love it now. The <laughs> um, point to make there is that I don't remember, um, is it Reva or Reva? I don't remember her using any dark side force powers uh, at any point during the like she didn't choke people for example she didn't drain their power so like to me that was the indicator that she was maybe more light side than dark or lightning i guess her um yeah maybe that's uh that's a good point i think her i guess her journey wasn't complete mm-hmm. right and, and in, if anything i think that was is consistent with that sort of twist reveal in episode five where she's almost Imit- she's she's um she's an imposter she's a dark side imposter right mm. she's 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 pretending in a way but she in a, you know she uh has kind of by drawing tapping into that power and and she's kind of lost it's a bit like um the departed the, the, <laughs> it's a, this is the departed of star wars just so, so ben what what I, um, I was thinking in terms of prequels really there's there's been few enough really impactful and and good ones um would you say that uh, Better Call Saul might be a better example of a TV, TV prequel that we knew where things were ending up and yet it managed to build up stakes? I've not seen it, but I've heard only good things about it. So, but I, yeah, I can imagine that being a good parallel. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let, just, let's, uh, let's, open, let's open that question out, though. Uh, we'll start with you, Ben, and to everyone else. What is can you think of uh, another example like Better Call Saul that is an effective prequel that has stakes, like stakes where you're like, you're genuinely don't know how things are going to pan out. Mm. Um, So question to the group there. And what we'll Mm -hmm. do is I'll read, I'll read a few, um, I'll read a few comments out and we'll invite uh, someone else up to join us for fun. So Stephen had his hand up. So Stephen, KT, your invite is incoming. Um, 
Stephen also said it was retro uh, 10 years later. It was being ironic in his, he was being ironic in his 20s. Um, I don't remember what we were talking about there. That's because (laughs) because of Luke's attire. He's wearing the same thing as a child as he is later on. Oh, very good. Yes. Uh, Well, I guess you don't have much, you don't have much clothes as a moisture farmer. (laughs) Saving all his credits for Tashi Station. Is that where the Tatooine Gap is? Is it or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like I've been to the Tatooine Gap here. <laughs> it does actually. Um, welcome to the stage, Stephen. Hello. Can you hear me? We can okay. hear and yeah. see you. Well, the podcasters won't be able to see you, but we'll, we'll uh, we can use your imagination. Stephen is on. Um, I'm going to pretend that Stephen's on a Star Wars planet that he defined a minute ago as the Star Wars planet whose defining feature is stalactites. <laughs> That's the episode six one, right? Yeah, they've all got one defining feature, and they snow or sand or, or that sort of thing. So Yeah, there's only room for one, and the entire planet is covered in it. <laughs> no, uh, so Stephen, Stephen, yeah, it's a fine bookcase, good bookcase game. Uh, Stephen, what, uh, tell us, what were your thoughts on Obi-Wan as a whole? Did you like it, hate it? it it's complicated, I think. I mean... <laughs> I'm a man of a certain age, so the the sort of nine year old in me, the, there's an itch getting scratched through all these shows, and it's um, I, I love the fan service, I love the feel they get. Uh, so there's so much good, but you can tear it apart, can't you? It's uh, it's so disappointing at the same time in so many ways. But I love the fight in episode six, today's episode, and uh, when his helmet got smashed, that was fantastic. And I, I've not watched any of the cartoons or anything like that so i don't get a lot of those cartoon callbacks or anything but uh no a lot of good stuff um it's a shame these tv shows are focusing so much on tatooine which is supposed to be defined as the place that's so far away from anything that happens ever (laughs) Um, uh, yeah i I definitely feel the prequel problem with this in the sense that you knew where it started and knew where it's going to end so obi-wan could have no real decent arc and reva didn't get enough of an arc there was an arc there, but she was out of it for a bit anyway. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, they're great and it's really good to have them. And I would have killed for these as a sort of pre-teen. Nowadays, though, TV is so great. Mm. And I think they can, they keep trying to emulate the movies and they keep trying to make you feel the movies, which I say works for me in so many ways. But imagine if they did something different and they set something in the Star Trek universe, Star Wars universe that was... Um, was trying to be an amazing show rather than just try and serve Star Wars. It would, I mean, and I, I gather from the comics and the cartoons, they've got loads of areas they could explore. It's a shame they keep coming back to this. Um, but no, it uh, is, it's it, fantastic fun. It is true. It's um, it's kind of a, it's the Star Wars curse in a way. It's a cursed IP, isn't it? Because they've got, um, they've got, all this kind of lore to tackle with they've got all these expectations of several different fan bases you know joe said earlier it's like it's mostly the 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 old the old men i think like like us tend to be the problem i think that's tends to be the problem with society in general but the um we're 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 the we're the we're the kind of heart of please fan base and then really they also need to squarely aim it at the future Right, the, the, an audience that's going to f- keep them fed for the next thirty and forty years. Right, the old men of tomorrow, and that's where you know the things like the cartoons uh, become become important. But that's why it also needs to be a a family show, and that, and that's where I think that the tone kind of that kind of clash can come in. Like it's a family show, and there's and there's kids, and they're going to go on adventures. But now Obi Wan's face is being dragged through some fire because you guys are old guys, and you love seeing that, don't you? Uh, so yeah, it it's a bit. It can be a bit tonally jarring, but it it is yeah. It's ultimately a, it's a very tricky thing to get right, um, and I don't know. Well, I don't well, you, know saw what the, you saw what happened in the Last Jedi when they tried to take things in a different direction and change the tone a bit here and there. It got yeah slated by a lot of people, but uh, yeah, they went back to old school and with the final film, didn't they? Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, it's like. Not too different, those, guys. Different, but not too two, different. Those two movies tell such a story, don't they? Is yeah, it's like yeah. A, 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 they're on polar opposites of a thing. And 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 I, you know, I wasn't the, the biggest fan of the Last Jedi, but I really admire it, and I admire it, admired it even more after seeing the Rise of Skywalker. Um, why don't we 
like because we're on the topic anyway why don't we uh throw it out to the to the comments and to everyone on stage what do we think is the future of star wars so that's on tv on movies what would you like to see you know steven suggested you know there's a huge universe out there full of endless possibilities of stories do you want to see more original stories or do you want to know what boba fett is up to these days you know i think they've done enough um uh of, of mining you know our past and i think they should take the IP and take it forward. I think it's time for it. You know, um, I can see why Disney have done it because they wanted safe bets. Uh, maybe they, they, hopefully it's part of a grander plan where they establish it and then take it forward from there. Uh, as Stephen said, there is quite a rich uh, vein of stories to mine already through the comics and um, cartoons. Uh, my concern though, stuff. my concern though, Ben, is that the, um, I don't. I feel like they might learn the wrong lesson from the success of this show, because it it is it has been incredibly successful, right? Yeah, I.e., play it safe forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think we're gonna get uh, I don't know an Anakin Skywalker prequel with Hayden Christensen, or we're gonna get a uh, the the Adventures of Leia on on Alderaan uh, for kids. You know, I, I think though that's where they're gonna look. Instead, of, I I wish you were right, Ben, but I fear, I oh, fear you're not. You've made me sad. You're probably right, aren't you? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you're probably my, right. It's my main objective. It's my main objective here <laughs> is to make everyone feel sad about the state of the world. Uh, we'll read some comments out. Um, Cloda says less uh, content, better made, and focused around finding a story worth telling, not characters that may have a pull with the established audience. Yeah, I think I think we're all in agreement there. Um, and she says Mando did that to some degree, but even Mando had some dodgy episodes. Yes, I agree. Um, I think Mando, let's talk about Mando for a second. Because I think it's an interesting one. Because I I think it kind of it it that that has given us what we um what we've kind of been suggesting here and what Stephen offered up in terms of the uh, you know, the wider universe and something different. I think that's the show that attempted to do that the most right it's like it, it, it's a new character it's kind of a it showed us planets we haven't seen before but it kind of you know it only get kind of dipped its toe in that water because it was still very familiar but don't worry he looks like boba fett right and and there's a, there's a little baby yoda um you know it's all very it it's like Different, but kind of safe enough. And Tatooine um, again, just just in case you forgot what it looked like. More Tatooine, yeah. And <laughs> which Luke. we didn't need, or or just another sand. There was another sand planet as well, wasn't there? It's just like, come on, come up with some new things. Um, what do you guys think on the stage about uh, Mando? Did you enjoy Mando season one and two? I, I personally, I thought Mando did it right as right as they could. It was a lot of one-off episodes, which was great. Um, Lots of fan service and callbacks, but they could always go and have a new adventure somewhere else and just explore stuff. I also like seeing, I think someone mentioned earlier about seeing the the workings of the Empire at its height and how bad it was. And this, what I liked in Mando is when they go behind the scenes of what's left of the Empire at that point and and see how that's sort of falling and maybe turning into what's it called in the new films, the new the new the order, new, uh, the new first first order. First order first that's it. Yeah. So, oh. I've even forgotten that. So yeah, I thought I thought Mandalorian was good, um, and and again there was all these callbacks to the comics that I didn't get. So I, I read about them on Den of Geek or somewhere, but I don't understand them as I'm watching them. Yeah, there's a blue guy with a cowboy hat. He's he's yeah. a guy. He's a Star Wars guy. <laughs> um, Ben, uh, Joe, what are your thoughts on Mando? Well, me and Joe had a whole episode on it a while ago, so we'll go to we'll go to Ben. Yeah, no, I really liked it. I thought it was a <laughs> Again, it's that it's that clever thing of you, you you think it's new at first, and then it's sort of repackaging what you already know and love, which is why it's easy to get into as well, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah there's a tiny Yoda. This guy's basically looks like Boba Fett, but a bit different. And then they actually bring in Luke, which you think, oh, is going to be awful, but part of me was like, oh, that's so cool seeing Luke. <laughs> you kind of like you can't help yourself. It's like you say, you are you are a, a, a what was it you said at the start, Dave? You sort of a kidnap victim, but uh, was it the syndrome yeah, thing. St- Stockholm, syndrome. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome yeah you don't want yeah. it then you, you get it and you love it that's um, it I, I come out of these things thinking and I, I, I am happy coming out of Obi-Wan but I, I 
for the most part, I just feel like, yeah, and and Joe's right. Like, you know, this isn't, it's, it's really not for me anymore, maybe. But so I'm really just like clinging to a ghost. Um, and maybe like, like Joe said, with the, the Phantom Menace and Jewel of the Faith, maybe these things are just kind of better off kept sealed in our memories um, because they keep just getting dredged up and reminding us that things change and, and we're aging. And that's kind of what it's all about, isn't it? This is really depressing. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, one, let's read one, some. Sorry, Joe, go on. Over is, is just how good Obi-Wan looks as a show, as a TV show. Like, that would have been unthinkable even 10 years ago. Something yeah. like that would like would have been an, on the sci-fi channel. It would have been much ropier. Um, <laughs> but like the, the standard of visual effects and the people they have working on it are absolutely working their backsides off. And it looks as good or better in some cases. It certainly looks better than, than the, the prequels, but it, it looks better than a lot of Star Wars properties. And I think like whatever about the Star Wars fatigue that we're kind of feeling, getting more every year than we've had in decades previous then like even though that's that's setting in it's it's important to remember just how much work has gone into creating this and and making it look right and not getting any of those details wrong like there i'm I'm sure you could pour over these episodes for tiny little details for hours and hours um and i'm sure some will i frankly don't have the time but (laughs) Um, if, that, if, if that's a way to enjoy it and a way to access it um, then yeah more power to you I bet someone in the comments has done it um, I will say right we'll, I'll read some comments out if anyone else would like to uh, to join us up on stage we'll do another uh, uh, 10 minutes and we'll finish at 10 uh, so put your hands up if you'd like to join us um, uh, Cloda says um, oh no we read Cloda uh, Mike Duggan says uh, I think they will probably adopt the same approach of the MCU. We'll get uh, a number of spin-offs and a couple of connected films. Uh, yeah, I think so. And uh, he says they have yet to find a new villain to build an arc off of. The latest film had a new hero, but old villains. I think that's a really good point, actually, because, you know, the Marvel Universe like to slowly establish a villain over a long period, don't they? You know, like the, they had the Thanos and now they've got the um, whatever the new the new guy is from from loki um they're, they're, uh, star, does star wars have a villain problem i think it might um because we're I think back to wanted uh because as you said you had reva and you had vader i was actually thinking if you cut her out entirely and put it down to four episodes would it still have worked because her only uh utility as a plot device was to get Leia off the planet and kidnap her to get obi-wan back i suppose could that have been done differently <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah, probably. She was a very effective hunter and she was one of the cleverer characters in the whole thing. But you're right, you you could write around that and you could take her out and, and make a shorter show. Um, would it be the poorer for it, though? That's the question. I don't know, because I think she was a bit underdeveloped, Yeah. Um, ultimately. It's just, I think, it, yeah, I don't think it's like any, you know, the actress's fault, that's for sure, but it's just, it's just writing in time. It's that weird thing of, like you say, I think it was two episodes too long overall but then there wasn't enough to fully develop her as a character because she's brand new, which is great, which is what we're saying we want. But then you need to maybe have her, have her a bit more fleshed out. Um, I, I think I think she did. I think she did a great job with sort of what she was was given for sure. But um, yeah, you're right. I mean, if anything, I was kind of hungry for a bit more of her. Um, but there also had to be Vader, and there also had to be her, the Grand Inquisitor, and then those other two who we haven't yeah. even talked about, who kind of just got forgotten about. Right? Yeah. What happened to them? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the, the plan forward and, and I know Disney is, is hanging on at every word but uh, it's maybe keep the A tier together keep the B tier characters together because when you mix them it like sucks all the drama towards the A tier characters so if you have Vader and Obi-Wan and something like this that is the focus whereas if you're going to flesh out these characters they need to exist in a vacuum the way that Mando did in season one yeah. And as they brought more and more force stuff into it, that moved away from him. Um, what I would say on Mando is I was glad that they brought in some of the um, kind of the lore and the um, the, the religious side of, of his um, his origins. But the more they gave us of that, the more the more tiresome it became. 
<laughs> I think by season three, we're like, oh, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the way we get it. Yeah. I've got um, I've got good news for you, Joe. Disney actually are listening to this. They joined, uh, they joined earlier, and uh, they have just confirmed the Reva spinoff show based on what you've said, because they, they, they believe that's that's the lesson here is we need B characters must have their own shows. Um, so spin-off shows of spin-off shows. I think that's, that's clearly <laughs> the, the way to go. Um, what, what do you guys think about, uh, so one for everyone in the comments and on stage, what do you think about the sort of the toxicity uh, that is swirling around the Star Wars fandom? Do you think that, you know, do you, is Star Wars a more toxic fandom than others? Or is it just bigger than other fandoms? So it's naturally going to have a higher volume of whatever the average percentage of toxicity that exists in humanity? Um, or is there something about Star Wars that uh, kind of attracts this sort of unfortunate negativity? I'll start, with a, I'll start at the top there with Joe. I don't think it's a Star Wars problem. I think it's a, it's a problem with moderation of social media and with the widespread acceptance of extremist views. Um, if someone like if someone had those views 20 years ago, they'd be ranting to themselves in a pub. And I mean, obviously, they'd still be horrible people, but they wouldn't be doing harm across the world. Whereas now, everybody has a platform and, and all words have equal weight, even though some perspectives are illegitimate and we've yet to learn that lesson and to absolutely get rid of those comments that bubble up to the top because they're more sensational or because they're they're more angering um i think like as 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 civilizations we developed systems we do like we, we used to have people getting sick from filthy water but we developed sewage systems to keep clean water separate from, from filthy water. We need to do the same with our media rather than having everything <laughs> polluted together. Like if, if, if someone has an extremist and uh, harmful view, then it should be dealt with. And it isn't, it's just all in together. I, I agree with that. And I think, and I think unfortunately those same uh, platforms have a la- have facilitated direct communication with the, the intended victim. Right. So there's not even, there isn't even a, a, a filter that, you know, that poor woman kind of just received all that into her inbox, as you say, the sewage. Um, Stephen, bit of a weighty topic. I don't know why I brought it up, but uh, have you got anything to add? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's hard to rationalise something that's so irrational, isn't it? It's, um, I, th- I think you're right. There is a there is a sign of Star Wars getting it more than others, and it might be because so many people feel ownership of it in the same way I do as a man in my forties. When when you've said, Joe, it's not for me; um, it's for my kids. Um, but there, there's something about. I mean, the internet as a whole, as you say, it's social media. People feel that their views are important and must be said, even when it's the worst view in the world. And I say this as someone who's come on a podcast thing to tell you what I think of a TV show. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we're all doing it, aren't we? So, and I guess the other that they get elevated and um, they, they get made louder by repeating them and reporting on them. It, it must be hellish for these actors to put up with it. But I don't see reports of Marvel actors getting this much hate um, if they're non-white or non-male, whereas it just seems to happen in Star Wars, doesn't it, throughout the sequel trilogy and through these TV shows? I think it's maybe because the, just to take that point on Marvel versus this, I think I think Marvel has more of maybe possibly a more diverse fan base in a way because it owns so many different properties and IP, you know, from Spider-Man to Black Panther and there's kind of something for for everybody, whereas Star Wars is kind of just, just star wars and and like and like star wars was for a long time was just those six movies and it that's what we kind of that was the benchmark for it and that's how it needs to look and that uh, and that's what i expect it to be and i think there was no room for deviation whereas marvel kind of has always been very broad or it has breadth um and star wars kind of never had breadth nor depth really um Ben, what do you, what what do you think? What's the worst fan base out there? Is there a worse one than Star Wars? Um, I think you're hitting the nail on the head. I think it's to do with those six films. Well, and obviously the original three being kind of you know set in stone for so long that people get rabid about it, and it's still a, a you know a lot of people like Star Wars. So you're going to get a, a 
you know, mirroring of society in any fan base, I guess that big, you're going to get, you know, not nice people. Um, and then you, you combine that with, you know, a feeling of ownership over something uh, that they really love and have liked for a long time. And it probably all just gets you know, distorted or amplified. Yeah, I don't know, it's a mess, but I'd like to think it's not a particular Star Wars issue because of anything inherent within Star Wars. It's just, as you said, because it, 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 it was set for so long and then suddenly it's opening up and people don't like that. Whereas something like Marvel has always been fluid. You know, it's gone all over the place. It's based on this very diverse you know, set of comic book characters that have spanned decades already. But as a film franchise, it's pretty new, right? So, and it's already spread out. You know, how, how many Marvel films are there? 57? 112? Too, too many at this stage. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, I, and I'm a fan of them. But the, um, I think, I think what you said is, is right. Um, absolutely bang on there, Ben, about ownership, right? I feel like, and that's an interesting, that's an interesting word when you apply it to fandoms because there's this, um, you know, there's this, there is this sense of ownership that any fandom has because something, you know, things like this are pop culture and being a fan of something in by its definition, it makes, it makes it very personal to you. And I think star Wars was very personal to us all as children. And the aim is for Disney, I guess, right. Is to make it personal for children nowadays to make it meaningful and to, for yourself to, 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 to see yourself and be represented and to make it, make you feel something. So that's why I think that's why it's so, to me, it's particularly unusual um, when you see the, you know, this, these negative, uh, really negative, hateful remarks being aimed at, um, you know, uh, women or people of color. And when it's, if anything, it's like the society needs to be providing that to more people, right? That feeling that you had as a child it's like by diversifying casts and stories, you're just making it more accessible for people forever. So I, I think, you know, I think um, Clodagh has called it up perfectly in the comments here. She says it's gatekeeping, right? So she, yeah. she says, uh, I think Star Wars has a, a history of gatekeeper style fandom. It's become accepted to fight over who knows most or is a real fan. Uh, and I think that gives the toxic people permission to behave uh in a certain way. Um, and yeah, I totally agree with that. And Tim says, uh, I think the weirdos know that it gets more attention when it's star Wars. So that's at least on, on part why they do it. Uh, I agree with that. And uh, Mike Duggan says, when you think through uh, Wanda and how well she was received versus Ray in the latest star Wars, a female lead was much more uh, news for Ray uh, than Wanda. Yeah. That's yeah. Another, another kind of, interesting point um well i think we should probably wrap it up guys i mean we should uh it's probably a a good it was a good hour it was a really good chat thank you everyone for uh for joining i think this was a lot of fun uh i hope you guys had fun yeah uh, i don't i don't know how to wrap usually kathy just wraps up the podcast she, <laughs> you, you can't you can't see it but she does this she does this spinny spinny thing when i need to shut up <laughs> uh, so i don't know i don't have my producer here so this they will ju I'll, it'll just end up going on forever but uh look thank you um to ben uh steven and joe for joining uh joby one i should say for joining us on stage uh, and thanks to uh everyone in the in the comments uh really really great chat and um yeah if uh, uh, mike duggan says love island ne live next week uh, i mean you're you're laughing but kathy will absolutely do that if we can convince her to give this a go yeah this was a lot of fun really uh really appreciated um and yeah see you all on the on the patreon and lovely to meet some of you in person and on chat thank you very much dave Hi. yeah thank you it's been great cheers thanks guys i'll see you back here for uh, the reverse spin-off yeah <laughs> Bye. Bye. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. 
here's a show that we recommend. What would you say if I told you there's a book that can teach you how to win The Bachelor? What would you say if I told you producers caught multiple finalists reading that book in this season that's currently airing? What would you say if I told you the producers don't want anyone to know that their show has been compromised? How do we know all this? We wrote that book. I'm Lizzie Pace. And I'm Chad Colchin. We're the authors of How to Win the Bachelor and the hosts of the Game of Roses podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we break down all the biggest plays, errors, and MVPs in the game of reality television. Listen to Game of Roses wherever you get your podcasts and go to howtowinthebachelor.com to get our book. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs> 